Welcome to another episode of Thinking Like a Bank, where we show you how to think like a bank by applying the same strategies and principles that banks use to help you find more financial freedom in your life. I'm your host, Sarah Ibrahim. It's officially episode 100. Thanks for listening this far. I hope you're getting a lot of value out of this podcast. Please let me know if you'd like me to do an episode about a specific topic you are interested in. Also, if you'd like to share your story and expertise on our podcast, please send me an email at sari at finassetprotection.com to learn more about becoming a guest on our podcast. I've been spending the last two weeks trying to think of a topic to talk about on the solo episode, and then it hit me. I should record an episode about Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. Some of our clients haven't read the book, so I decided to do a book review episode where I just talk about the key points in Becoming Your Own Banker, since it has a lot to do with the bank on yourself concept, as well as growing wealth from a general financial planning perspective. Becoming Your Own Banker was written by Nelson Nash in 2009. The book essentially gives you high-level information on becoming your own banker, as the title suggests. Now, what do I mean by becoming your own banker? Well, imagine you wanted to invest in real estate or start a business or grow your current business, and you didn't want to go through the hassle of going through a bank and you had a funded dividend-paying whole life insurance policy. Then, depending on how much cash value you have, you'd be able to leverage your whole life policy to buy the asset or to buy anything you want for that matter. You'd be able to skip the bank. I'll get into life insurance loans later in this episode. So who is Nelson Nash? Nelson Nash is the founder of the infinite banking concept. His career started as a private consultant in the forestry industry. He received a Bachelor of Science in Forestry from the University of Georgia in 1952. From 1954 to 1963, he worked as a consulting forester in North Carolina. Nelson later entered the financial services industry where he worked with companies like Equitable Life and Guardian. His need to become his own banker came from the understanding that we are always dealing with borrowed money. He mentions you either borrow money and pay interest or you use your money and give up interest that you could have earned. For example, let's say you finance a car for $30,000 at 6% interest over five years you'd pay about $580 per month, which means you would have paid a total of about $34,800. In this example, you paid $4,800 in interest to the lender. Most people would think, well, I'll just pay cash and pay $0 in interest. Now we arrive at the second problem. How much interest could you have earned with $30,000 over the last five years? If we take $30,000 and invest it at just 5% over five years, then you would have saved $38,288. Let's say we leverage this interest account at 2%, meaning we pay 2% in interest to borrow against this. We would have earned $8,288 in interest and paid $3,122 in interest. So a total arbitrage of $5,000 or a total spread. This is one of the top benefits of becoming your own banker. You recoup interest you would have otherwise paid to others. Just to summarize the options we just went over, one option was we paid interest to a lender. The other option was we paid no interest, nor did we gain any interest. And the third option was we paid interest and we earned interest, but the interest we earned was greater than the interest we paid. To further explain Nelson's pain, he mentions he paid about $67,000 per year in just interest in 1981 and 1982. Many Americans are not far from this, even in a relatively low interest rate environment. I say relatively low because even with the prime rate being at 8.25% in June 2023, 
When we compared that to the primary in 1981, it was 21.5%. So yes, still relatively low interest rate environment. Most people are focused on the rate of interest. However, the, the interest rate is not the most important metric. Rather, it is the volume of interest paid, as Nelson mentions. For example, take a 30-year mortgage with 2.5% interest. Practically no interest at all, right? Well, even in this case, a $300,000 mortgage at 2.5% interest equals $128,000 in interest paid. This means over a 30-year period, about 43% of all the money you paid in monthly payments went just to interest. Again, you would think 2.5% interest is harmless, but the reality is you would have paid $427,000 to use $300,000 over the last 30 years. Now, I think low interest mortgages are a great tool, and I wouldn't recommend you pay down mortgages as soon as possible. The mortgage interest example is just meant to convey the true cost of capital and how this can be detrimental if you don't truly understand it. One of the solutions to the problem with interest or alternative can be using a dividend-paying whole life insurance policy as a form of financing. For example, let's say you pay $10,000 per year towards a policy, and over the years you accumulate $20,000 in cash value, you'd be able to leverage about 90% of the cash surrender value. So in this example, you could take out a loan for $18,000 and pay back whenever you want, unlike traditional bank loans that require strict payback requirements. Now, why borrow from your policy? Well, Nelson Nash describes this in the grocery store example. He asks, if you own a grocery store, would you shop at another grocery store? You and your family would most likely shop at your business. In this case, you would use your policy before using a bank, assuming you had enough cash value. I think it's better to use your policy with some bank financing than it is to completely avoid using your policy. In other words, always leverage your policy, even with other forms of financing. Nelson continues to talk about the grocery store example from the standpoint of stealing. If you own a grocery store, would you take your inventory out of the back door to avoid paying full price of the cashier? Many business owners would avoid paying the retail price for their own inventory, but Nelson describes this as a form of theft. The same logic can be applied to your whole life policy and loans. For example, rather than taking your inventory out of the back door at wholesale, you pay a little extra for your own inventory, and that extra money goes back to your business to make it stronger and more profitable. In the case of borrowing against your whole life policy, rather than taking out a loan and wanting to pay the least back, Nelson would recommend you pay more than you borrow to pay, the, to pay back the principal, the interest of the insurance company, and to add an extra capital back into your policy, which will directly increase your cash value, which will help you increase your dividends and overall growth in your policy, and which will, of course, lead to being able to take out more money for other ventures and investments. The cycle is infinite. The headwind versus tailwind example. I'll read this example verbatim from page 13. Picture this situation. You are in Birmingham, Alabama, with an airplane that can fly 100 miles per hour, and your destination is Chicago. The only problem is that you have a headwind of 345 miles per hour. Regardless of your airspeed indicator, your airplane is moving toward Miami at 245 miles per hour. If you want to go to Chicago, that's a very good time to get your plane on the ground quickly. Have some patience and the air mass will move on. They always do. When the highs get directly over the top of you, there is no headwind. You are now covering the ground at 100 miles per hour, and now the arrival syndrome comes into play. You conclude that you just can't do any better than this. 
This is the ultimate situation. Nonsense. Have more patience and the air mass will continue to move on. Now you have a tailwind of 345 miles per hour. Plus your airplane is moving at a speed of 100 miles per hour. Your ground speed is 445 miles per hour. That is impressive, isn't it? But you see, it is much more impressive than most people think. Everything you do in the financing world is compared with what everyone else is doing. 95% of the American public is doing the equivalent of flying with 345 mile per hour tailwind. The differences between you and them is twice the wind. That's a difference of 690 miles per hour. Most people in the situation, situation concentrate all their attention on trying to make the airplane go 105 miles per hour. They would do well to spend their energy instead of controlling the environment in which they fly. You can't do that in the airplane world, but you can in the financial world. This was such a powerful part of the book that I had to read it word for word because I couldn't have said it better. This means rather than trying to pinch some of your savings, as conventional wisdom suggests, you want to change your entire environment and use the momentum of the financial environment. Rather than spending your whole life paying back debt, build your own banking system and use that banking system to buy back your debt. Use the financial wind as leverage. Change the momentum of your money by understanding the banking system. Nelson talks about fractional reserve banking in the next example. What is fractional reserve banking? In simple terms, it gives banks the ability to lend out more than they have. If you go to a bank and deposit $1,000, then the bank can loan out $10,000. Banks actually use your deposits as well as other deposits to loan out to other people in the forms of loans. In some cases, banks use your deposits without paying you any interest at all, but still earn interest on those loans. Another way to look at fractional reserve banking is like creating money out of thin air, or as Nelson calls it, the world's largest con game. I like to look at fractional reserve banking as a legal pyramid scheme. Think about it. Without your deposits, the bank doesn't have a lending department. Also, if everyone wants their deposits back at the same time, then the entire financial system crumbles. Nelson describes this as a major problem in our economy, and the alternative can be to start your own banking system by using a dividend-paying whole life insurance policy. Using a whole life policy allows for more logic in how you handle money. For example, you wouldn't deposit $100,000 and loan out $50 million. This is essentially what banks do and the primary reason why they go out of business. In this example, Nelson talks about co-generation, which is used in the production of electrical power. It refers to producing two or more forms of energy from one fuel source. What do you do with this power if you have a plan that creates more electrical power than you need? Of course, you could sell it, but it is easier to sell to a power supplier than making a new plan and canvassing for customers. Nelson specifically mentions creating your own banking system through the use of dividend-paying whole life insurance is much like co-generation. All the ingredients are already in place. All you have to do is understand what is going on in these insurance plans and tap into the insurance system. How are dividends in a whole life policy declared? Life insurance companies have a pool of money. This is known as the general fund. The fund brings in premiums and they invest those premiums in the form of various liquid investments. One of their investments includes policy loans. So if you had a life insurance policy and you took out a loan using your policy as collateral and you paid interest, then the interest goes to the insurance company as a form of additional revenue. As a mutual owner of a life insurance company, you are entitled to dividends, which are not guaranteed, but you have a high degree of certainty considering the track record of that insurance company. If you think about it, about 80% of an insurance company's portfolio includes bonds. Bonds are guaranteed debt contracts. For example, if I loan $1,000 to you at 10% interest over the next five years, then this can be considered a bond. It wouldn't necessarily be a, a security for legal reasons, but the concept is the same. 
Bonds are guaranteed and predictable. Thus, the majority of an insurance company's portfolio includes predictable and guaranteed contracts. Another important aspect to insurance is the law of large numbers. This means if you go out and buy bonds on your own, you lose the protection against complete loss. If the insurance company takes a loss on certain bonds, they usually have billions in reserves and a diversified bond portfolio. So you as a client and policy owner would still receive the guaranteed growth in a life insurance policy, as well as a predictable non-guaranteed dividends. Nelson talks about paid up insurance in this section, which is like buying small life insurance policies within your whole life policy. Paid up insurance has cash value and life insurance and can be purchased with single payments, hence the term paid up insurance. You can then use tax-free dividends to buy paid up insurance. Why are dividends tax-free? Well, I have to state first that under current tax law, life insurance dividends from policies that are not modified endowment contracts are tax-free. The IRS states that dividends are a return of premium. The term modified endowment contract refers to a life insurance policy that loses some of its tax advantages because it is seen as more of an investment in the eyes of the IRS than a life insurance policy. And the loans and withdrawals are taxable beyond the basis. The tax benefits of a whole life policy are another major reason why many business owners and real estate investors use this concept. Again, if the policy is not a MEC or modified endowment contract, then under current tax law, loans, withdrawals, income, and the death benefit are all income tax-free. Starting your whole life, first whole life policy to become your, your own banker varies and it depends on the premiums you're funding your policy with. Nelson mentions that it is estimated that it takes at least seven years to profit from an investment. He then asks, so why not capitalize each policy purchase for at least seven years to the point where dividends will pay all the remaining premiums on the policy. Another interesting point mentioned in the book is self-insurance. Self-insurance is where you take on the risk of protecting your assets. You become the insurance company. Doing this helps you recoup lost premiums that would otherwise go to a property and casualty company in this case, like your auto and homeowner's insurance. Rather than paying monthly or annual premiums, you add those premiums to your whole life policy. And in the event of a claim, you take out a loan to cover those damages. Keep in mind, this is just a concept mentioned in the book. I would probably recommend you always keep your auto and homeowner's insurance regardless of the circumstances because of the amount of protection you have. For example, you can probably insure a $500,000 home with less than $1,000 per year, depending on the market, insurance company, and claims history. Where I really agree and promote is using your whole life insurance policy to finance equipment and business assets. You could take out a tax-free policy loan, buy an asset or equipment, potentially depreciate or deduct it, and then repay that loan and then repeat that process. Is becoming your own banker that easy? Why does everyone do this? I think it mainly has to do with the initial time it takes to get a policy to a point where you have enough cash value to finance certain things. Nelson mentions it takes four to five years. I think it, it, this depends on what you want to finance and how soon. For example, if you want to start paying down other debt, then I would recommend you start borrowing against your policy in the first month to start buying back as much interest as you possibly can and as quickly as you can. If you wanted to use a policy to buy a house with no other financing, then it may take you 20 years, depending on how much you fund the policy with. Overall, Nelson describes this as a long-term strategy, and the sooner you start with this, the better. If you had the ability to grow tax-free wealth, regardless of what happens in the economy, how long would you wait to start it? As far as retirement income, let's say you have 20, 30, 40 years until retirement income or until you retire, uh, then this strategy will be perfect for you. You could fund a policy or multiple policies and then use the policies for tax-free income. Nelson describes whole life insurance as being far more reliable and predictable than many pension plans and of course, 401ks.
which I can make a separate podcast episode about. As far as a technical part, you would fund a whole life policy, ideally as the owner and insured, and then you would assign another person or entity as the beneficiary. Since this concept involves life insurance, you would have to qualify for life insurance. So what if you can't though? Maybe you're not in the best health. You can own a policy on someone else you are either related to or have financial interest with. For example, you can insure your children, business partners, employees, or other family. You'd be the owner of the policy. Someone else would be the insured, and you can also be the beneficiary. You'd still be able to do everything we mentioned here. As we approach the end, I hope you got a lot of value out of listening to this episode. And I hope you read the book as it helped me really understand the amazing benefits of dividend-paying whole life insurance. If you reach out to me and schedule a free 15-minute call, I can send you a free copy of this book. Thanks for listening. To learn more about what we do and how we can help you grow more wealth, please visit www.finassetprotection.com. That's F-I-N, assetprotection.com. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.